This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Michael Harriet, senior writer for TheRoot.com, is one of the most entertaining and insightful people you'll find on Twitter. Twitter can be an echo chamber of uh, trolls and other miscreants, but Michael Harriet actually gives me life, and I love following him. He'll, from time to time, drop some pieces of history, even though that's not his main thing. He does it better than anybody I've ever seen on Twitter because he uses humor and bad language um, he drops the F-bomb a lot, but it's really entertaining and interesting. He sent me audio of his one of his latest threads on a bank robbery in Oklahoma. And the backdrop to that is that um, the, this town was founded by formerly enslaved people who were enslaved by the Muscogee Creek Nation Native Americans who fought with the Confederacy during the Civil War. Now, I knew that there were Native American tribes that owned black people, just as I knew that there were black people who owned black people because I read The Known World and also did a little study. But that's not what this thread is about. It's really more about the resilience and the badassery of the people from this area, which gave birth to the folk from Tulsa, Oklahoma, also known as Black Wall Street. This whole entire region was settled by a lot of black folk. And... Michael Harriet breaks down the history of this as he weaves a tale around a bank robbery. And you want to stay to the end of this because he, he delivers, okay? So up next is Michael Harriet's audio version of his Twitter thread on this bank robbery that happened somewhere in Oklahoma with the people formerly enslaved by the Muscogee Creek Nation Native Americans. Stay tuned for that. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter and follow him at Michael Harriet, Michael H-A-R-R-I-O-T on Twitter. Use the hashtag podcast and let us know what you think. Have you ever heard the story about the gang of white outlaws who tried to rob a black owned bank? Have you ever wondered why so many towns in Oklahoma are almost all black? Well, that's a part of this fascinating story, too. It's a story about slaves who actually received reparations, one of the most famous criminals in American history, and a rich, all-black town. Now, many people don't know that a lot of the Native Americans in what used to be called Indian Territory also enslaved Africans. Some of these tribes fought for the Confederacy during the Civil War, while others, namely the Muscogee or the Creek Indians, stayed loyal to the Union. Now, when I refer to Indian territory, I'm using the historical term. The reason that some natives sided with the South was that the Confederates promised they would make the Indian territory a state and let Indians keep it. Y'all know they were lying, though. White people from the South were constantly trying to move there and steal land. The Muscogee, however, stayed loyal to the Union. Enslaved Africans even fought alongside them against the people we now call Confederates. I call them that too, mainly because white supremacist traitors is quite a mouthful. After the Civil War, the American government gave the former enslaved black Muscogee their own land. This could have set a dangerous precedent. So to get around giving reparations to all former slaves, the government made the Creek freedmen official members of the Muscogee tribe. Remember, this territory was not an official state yet, but everyone knew it would soon become one. During the post-Civil War era, black people were tired of living around white people, so they came up with this brilliant plan. They were going to create their own Wakanda. 
They started sprinkling black people in small towns all around the Oklahoma Territory, hoping that when it became a state, the government would do a head count and say, oh shit, this place is full of black people. White flight would ensue and we would have our own state. Brilliant, right? Now, the railroad was coming through the Indian Territory and a black woman named Abigail Barnett McCormick owned land she had inherited as a Creek freedman. Her land was right along the planned railroad route and the railroad wanted to put a stop there. So Abigail, she overheard this argument one day. A railroad company's lawyer thought the stop was a bad idea because there was no way black people could start and run their own town. But another railroad employee named Mr. Bowley insisted that black people could. These two guys made a bet on whether or not it would work. The winner would get the town named after them. So, in 1903, the town of Bowley, Creek Nation, Indian Territory, was founded on Abigail Barnett McCormick's land. After the Civil War, black people flocked to Oklahoma for the opportunity. They built an HBCU, Bowley had its own water system, and they even had a black-owned electric company. Now, I didn't read this, but I'm pretty sure that this was when the electric slide was created. Booker T. Washington visited Bowley twice, and he called it the finest black town in the world. One of the reasons people flocked to Bowley and other parts of Oklahoma was because they thought this was going to be one of the few places where Jim Crow didn't live. Remember, we were trying to create this all-black state. There was a national debate about whether Oklahoma would even become another Jim Crow state or not. Southern whites wanted to make the Indian Territory a segregation state, but Teddy Roosevelt promised to veto the legislation if they put segregation in Oklahoma statehood. Blacks continued to flock to Oklahoma, anticipating a non-racist black state. I know y'all can smell the trickeration coming. Indeed, Oklahoma didn't put segregation in its constitution, and it became a state. But as soon as Oklahoma gained statehood, they passed racist, anti-black laws. Now, I'm not being facetious. Literally, the first bill ever passed in Oklahoma is commonly known as Senate Bill Number 1, or the Oklahoma Jim Crow law. Anyway, you know, even though we were disappointed, this wasn't the first time people had bamboozled us. It's, it's kind of their thing. So black people started moving to black towns and supporting each other. Places like Greenwood and Tulsa, Oklahoma became known as Black Wall Street. Now, part of the reason black towns were so rich was that when Oklahoma instituted Jim Crow, those dumb motherfuckers essentially banned black folks from patronizing white businesses. So all the black folks traveled to nearby black towns to shop, dine, drink, and be entertained. But none of those places could fuck with Bowley. Remember, Bowley was on a train route between two white towns, so black folks spent a lot of money there. Bowley had four grocery stores, five hotels, seven restaurants, four cotton gins, four drug stores, four department stores, two insurance companies, an ice plant, and a partridge in a pear tree. And in the center of town was the crown jewel of Bowley, Farmers and Merchants Bank. America's first black-owned bank. Now you gotta remember, these weren't ordinary black folks. These were people who essentially lived in the wild, wild west. Not like Will Smith or anything, but like the real wild west. They herded cattle, they fought off white lynch mobs, they had land, they had their own guns, and honestly, everything in their history taught them not to trust most white folks. They were real black cowboys. So everyone knew not to fuck with the niggas in Bowley. They didn't play. White people knew this too. Well, well, 
most white people. In 1932, a gang of bank robbers set their sights on Bowley's Black Bank. Now these were some crazy white boys. If they lived today, they'd probably be planning a school shooting or working in the Trump administration. But when Charlie, the gang leader, heard his homeboys were planning to rob farmers and merchants, he was like, nah man, y'all don't wanna do that. Those niggas over there don't play. That's not an actual quote. This was in 1932, so he probably used the hard R. But these crazy white boys wouldn't listen. So Charlie just said, look, y'all can go if y'all want to, but I'ma chill. See, I'm trying to tell y'all, these ain't the ones you wanna fuck with. And the white boys were like, don't be afraid, cat. We've already scoped out the place. We're gonna go when there's only two people there, the bank president and the bookkeeper. What the fuck they gonna do? Again, these are not actual quotes, although I do believe white people say Freddy Cat. I mean, where else would that phrase come from? Anyway, the gang went to rob the black-owned bank without their leader. There were three robbers. George Birdwell, he carried a forty-five pistol. C.C. Patterson, yo, he had a shotgun. And Glass, he was the getaway driver. So, early in the morning of November 23rd, 1932... Birdwell and Patterson burst into farmers and merchants, pointed a 45 caliber pistol at the head of the bank president and told them, don't pull no alarm. That's an actual quote. DJ Turner was the bank president, although that would be a great name for an actual DJ. And he just stood there. He knew he had another employee in the bank hiding and he didn't want any customers to get hurt, but he just couldn't take watching these white boys empty his people's money into a sack. So DJ Turner he looked at Birdwell and said, fuck it. And then he pulled the alarm. Did you pull that alarm? Asked Birdwell. Sure I did, said Turner. I'll kill you for that, replied Birdwell as he opened fire. Now these are actual quotes. As soon as Birdwell shot out of nowhere, the bookkeeper shows up. Now, he wasn't even hiding at all. This motherfucker had slipped in the vault and grabbed a rifle. He aimed it at Birdwell, the bank robber, and shot him. Patterson had heard the commotion, and he saw Birdwell bleeding. He ordered two customers to help get Birdwell into the car waiting outside. Glass, he got out of the car, and he came in the bank. They tried to get outside, but as soon as they exited the bank, they got an unexpected surprise. The people of Bowley had heard that motherfucking alarm. Bowley citizens, just regular people, were waiting outside with their guns. A lot of guns. And they weren't scared. They started firing, and Glass and Patterson said, fuck this. And they dropped Birdwell, the bookkeeper's brother. He was outside. See, he was the deputy sheriff. So he said, you know, you don't fucked up, right? And he shot Patterson. Patterson was wounded, but Glass, he grabbed the money and hopped in the car and tried to drive off. But the people of Bowley were like, fuck that, not with our money. And they opened fire on Glass and shot him dead as he tried to drive away. Birdwell, the robber, was dead. Glass, the getaway driver, was dead. Patterson was wounded, and so was McCormick. But both lived. DJ Turner, the bank president, was dead. But thanks to the people of Bowley, that notorious gang was now all dead or in jail, except, of course, for Charlie, who told them not to fuck with those people in Bowley. 
Introducing the all-new and totally reimagined 2020 Ford Explorer. It's built for modern exploration, whether venturing across country or simply across town, over various terrains or through rough weather, it's all good. The Ford Explorer is specifically designed for comfort, confidence, and a whole lot of style. Ready to explore more? The 2020 Ford Explorer, the greatest exploration vehicle of all time. Built Ford Proud. After the shootout, Charlie robbed more banks and he was becoming a national hero. Police were sure that he would show up in Bowley and try to get revenge on the men who killed his partners. The code of the street demanded it. So, at the funeral of DJ Turner, more than 50 law enforcement officers showed up in plain clothes just to see if this notorious criminal would show up to get his vigilante justice. Charlie did not show up. The company that owned the train line that went through Bowley eventually folded, declared bankruptcy, and went out of business. Farming died down, and the Great Depression hit Bowley hard. Today, it's just a tiny little town, although it's still mostly black. Now, the only thing people know about Bowley is that every year the town swells with visitors because since 1907, people flock to Bowley every Memorial Day for the Black Rodeo and Barbecue Festival, perhaps the oldest and biggest black rodeo in the country. Everybody knows that Bowley has the real cowboys. Even white people go to that rodeo just to see the black cowboys, which brings us back to Charlie. How did he know not to fuck with the people in Bowley? Well, that railroad line that ran through Bowley, the Fort Smith and Western Railway, also ran through a little town called Aikens, Oklahoma, and it was just a few miles from Bowley. Every year, kids would ride that train from Aikens to Bowley to see the cowboys. A lot of white people say that the black rodeo was the only time they felt comfortable going to Bowley. One cute little white boy who lived in Aikens named Charlie never got to go because his parents told him it was too dangerous. That cute little kid, he eventually became a famous bank robber who warned his friends not to rob the bank in Bowley to no avail. Years later, the FBI would name Charlie the leader of that notorious gang, public enemy number one. He would rob banks all over America. He would get in shootouts with police. He was beloved by the public for burning the mortgages when he robbed the banks. He killed federal agents. He was just crazy. But he wouldn't fuck with Bowley. Charlie is now buried in Aikens, in what used to be Indian Territory, not far from where DJ Turner is buried. Charlie is still considered a town hero. You can even still visit the Farmers and Merchants Bank in Bowley to this day. The National Park Service just gave the city a grant to refurbish the bank as a historic site. But if you go a few miles down the road to Aikens looking for Charlie's grave, you shouldn't ask for Charlie the famous bank robber. Nobody will know what you're talking about. You have to ask for him by the name everyone called him. One of the most notorious bank robbers and gangsters in American history. They call them Pretty Boy Floyd. Thank you for that, Michael Harriet, senior writer for TheRoot.com. 
amazing. I love learning. You taught me something. And guys, if you learned something, let me know. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Share this podcast with 10 people because that's the method. Share this podcast with 10 people. Let them know. Spread the word. I want to get to the continent of Africa. Okay, we got to do that this year. So spread the word. Let them know about this dope podcast. Let them know about Michael Harriet. Follow him on Twitter at Michael H-A-R-R-I-O-T and follow me at Karen Hunter. Use the hashtag podcast so I can search for your comments, for your questions and all of that. I appreciate you listening till next time. <laughs>